All right, hey, hey, everybody. It's good to have you tonight. Uh, only believe at Urbana. And uh, how many of y'all had a good day today? Anybody? Wow, that was sort of underwhelming. So um, your day then is about to get better, I promise you. Amen, because we're about ready to be in worship tonight. Now, by the way, today is, is our youth hangout today. So after worship, uh, all the 5th through 12th grade will be heading out with Nathan to do their uh, small group together. So that's going on tonight. And, and uh, other than that, how about we all stand up on our feet, kind of look around you, tell somebody how great it is to see them, and then we're going to roll into worship tonight.
Yeah.
envelope there in the chair in front of you if not uh, wave your hand around and one of our ushers will get get to you and God is God is the ultimate giver if we can only just learn to be like him in all things and, and how he is leading us into what he is, is calling abundant life in the scriptures. If we would just be like him, we would find abundance, and abundance in the freedom of life. Well, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be amazing to live in such the care of God that you never worry about your finances? Oh my goodness. Wouldn't it be so amazing to live in the, uh, uh, the wonder of God that, that the greed of the world is it, not in an iota of your body? You know what I'm saying? God has taken us to be like him in that way. And he teaches us those kind of things with things like tithe and offerings. So I'm going to pray over it tonight. So if you have something to give, you can bring it down. Lord, we thank you. Now you teach us to be something in all the things that we do. There, there's a purpose behind everything. In, in our giving, there's purpose there, Lord. And you're, you're teaching us, you're taking us somewhere. You're, you're forming us, you're shaping us. And I pray, Lord, as we learn to be people that live by faith in you, that that way of living is continued to be carved out in us, that we live in it. And I thank you for it, that we are people of faith. In Jesus' name. Everybody says, amen. Come on down if, if you have something tonight. And um, let me give you just a couple, uh, couple quick announcements. First off, uh, don't forget if you have a 5th through 12th grader this Sunday at 3 o'clock, they have a youth event right out here. It's going to involve a lot of water. They're going to be getting wet. So uh, if you have questions about that, Josh will be back Sunday. I know they're traveling for his grandmother's funeral. He's heading that up. So see Joshua on Sunday, but sort of like an Olympics uh, water or something or other. They're going to have a good time. So uh, that's this Sunday at 3 o'clock. And, and, um, but with that, this is a, if you were at our uh, vision casting, you heard this Sunday. Um, this past Sunday, I talked about this. Uh, so if you missed it, this coming Sunday, we're doing something that we've never done before. Are you ready? It's called One Big Family Sunday. And what that means is everybody's going to be in the main house for the whole service. All the little kids on up. Now, do I know it'll be a tad messy? Yes. Now, understand this is what's crazy about me. I'm, this is almost like a bipolar thing in me. I'm a very orderly and neat person to a fault. My family will tell you that. Okay? But when it comes to this thing, I love the mess. I don't know, it's just, it's just weird because I love the kid being a part of the church. 
I love multi-generational church, and I love that we, we are building a great kids' church, but I think every now and then the kids need to be with us. So sometimes on our fifth Sundays, they're going to be with us for church, and that's this Sunday, fifth Sunday. So uh, this Sunday is one big family Sunday, uh, and, but I will tell you this, one part of, of one big family Sunday this week, we're going to be taking time during the service to pray for all the kids but all the kids heading back to school, well, I don't care, public school, homeschool, private school, whatever the situation is, we're gonna be taking time to pray for the kids as they're heading back to school because they need to be prayed for. And even if they're not in school yet, we'll be praying for them. So that's part of our service this coming Sunday. Uh, but uh, anyhow, I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be a good time. Now, if you don't have kids, that's okay. That doesn't exclude you because this is a multi-generational service. So however old the youngest kid we got, I don't know, maybe it's the Browns baby, right? I don't know if we have a newer one than that, I don't think so. To the oldest person we have, and I'm not gonna name that name, but uh, he's sitting in here tonight, but this service is for everybody. And I want everybody to enjoy our time together. We'll invite the kids to sit down front during the message. We'll interact with them. We'll have things for them, and it, it'll be a good time. So that's this coming Sunday, our very first One Big Family Sunday, so I'm looking forward to it. That's it. So let's get our Bibles out. We are still uh, talking about uh, discipleship, and we've been sort of kind of uh, in a kind of meandering, loose way um, talking about discipleship. So I want to continue that tonight. John chapter 3 and verse number 1 is where we're going to start. How many of y'all believe Jesus is alive? Then how many know you don't need to fear? You've got to remind yourself about that. Don't forget that. Jesus is alive. It's not just some, some cliche thing that... that uh, uh, we talk about when we get together in church, but we absolutely believe that. And he's alive, and where is he? Sitting at the right hand of the Father. Symbolic of what? Power. And what is under his feet? Everything. He is in authority. You don't need to fear. Don't be worried. Don't be anxious. He is sitting in authority with all things subjected to him, waiting for the fullness of time, whatever that is, to return. Amen. And we're waiting for it. So anyway, John chapter 3. This is the Gospel of John. I love the Gospel of John. And uh, verse number 1, And there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. The Pharisees... Uh, uh, knew the law. They, they were the uh, very um, uh, learned in the law, okay? And, and they, they were part of uh, uh, groups of people that uh, were trying to keep Israel in covenant with God, but they, but they got out of uh, proper vein with it. And this man came to Jesus by night. Why? Because he didn't want to be seen going to Jesus, because that would have been just no-no. Because -no. Jesus was the enemy, bad guy. He, in this part of John, we're at the beginning of John, so this is starting to become the story, and we know the story. So Nicodemus goes to see Jesus because I, I'm assuming he's curious. He wants to know. He's seeing something. He's sensing something. And said to him, Rabbi, 
We know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. So again, he's seeing what Jesus is doing. Uh, he's hearing the things that he's saying. He's picking up something. And Jesus uh, answered him. And Jesus kind of cuts right, right to, the, to the point here. Verse 3. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus, being a Pharisee, knew the law, lived the law, probably to the letter of the law, right down to the letter of the law. Was he born again? No, the law can't save you. If it could, why did Jesus come? Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I'm sorry. Oh, man. Hopefully this doesn't happen all night. <coughs> Verse 4. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, in other words, cleansing and renewal, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So you got to be born again. Amen. Now, being born again is not just religious talk about an idea of uh, symbolic of something. You literally are born again. <clears throat> now, again, Nicodemus will be born a second time, and you think of what he's thinking. Really? No. That, that's not what we're talking about here. But inwardly, you are literally born again. Made brand spanking new. How, how many of you were, well, I know you moms. That's probably, I, that was a really dumb thing for me to say. I was going to say, how many of you were there when your kids were born? But anyways, that's just really stupid. Because um, I was thinking about myself, because not all dads are in the room. Okay, so that was the, the dad way of thinking about that. So I was there. I wasn't, I was present in the room when all my kids were born. Okay. My boy's in the hospital and my daughter Hope in our bedroom at home. Long story. But anyways, um, there is something incredible about that moment. Right? The newness of life that is physically, tangibly manifest right in front of you. And there's something about you that changes. You see what I'm saying? Right? You think about being born again in here in the exact same way. No matter at what stage of your physical, earthly years it happened. And no matter the stain and the sin and the things that you did and were through, brand spanking new, born again, and there's something incredibly special about it. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, you're made what? A new creation. Brand new creation. The old is gone, new has come. Amen. How many of you were born again? Oh, now, 
I think sometimes you forget you've been born again. I think sometimes you forget you've been made a new creation. Especially if you've been saved for a while. Right? But never lose this this, uh, point that Jesus is getting across to Nicodemus. I mean, again, Nicodemus is a man of the law. He knew the law inside and out probably as a Pharisee. Um, and, and the Pharisee and the law, it, it's a burden. It's something they carried, something they tried to fulfill, though they could not fulfill it. Not possible. And Jesus is now taking this whole thing, and he's just completely throwing this so upside down. Okay, Nicodemus, yeah, you, you, you know covenant, and you know uh, regulation, and you know the things that were trying to direct you into a life with God, but it did not make you brand new in here. You tried to live it and carry it. Born again. Washed with the water, cleansed of your sins, and of spirit, renewed. Now, when you talk about discipleship, discipleship ends up being living out newness and living in the fulfillments of new creation. All when we talk about discipleship, we know pick up my cross, follow Jesus. We know walking the narrow road. We know all of these things. We know it's not sugar-coated. Jesus didn't promise you an easy road. He promised you the narrow road. Okay? We shouldn't sugarcoat the Christian life. People expect when you sugarcoat it, then when it's not sugarcoated and they're eating their Brussels sprouts, then they quit. God eats your Brussels sprouts. Even I have to eat them. It's not good, but I eat them. Or else Margo gets mad. No, we won't talk about that. You know my history with Brussels sprouts. Anyways, that we're living in discipleship the fullness as much as we can of new life until new life comes and overtakes us in new creation. Discipleship is living the fullness of everything we can live in new life until new life comes and overtakes us when Jesus comes back. That's one way of looking at discipleship. And all the things that discipleship involves... It is pushing you down this road of living in the abundance of the freedom found in born-again, new creation, new life. Amen. As a matter of fact, it, this, this uh, theologian from the 600s, Maximus, the confessor, says Christianity is entirely a new way of being human. If you can see it that way. It's an entirely new way of living this life. Brand new. Now I'm living it out. So salvation puts you at the gate, inside the gate of the narrow road, because Jesus is the gate. But now what you going to do? Are we going to walk this newness of life? Grow, learn, continue to change? Are we going to live it? Salvation puts you there. You are born again, newer, new creation. Now you've got to walk this out, and that's called discipleship. But it encompasses 
what freedom really is. So Romans chapter 6. I think at the beginning of the year, we're going to do something on Wednesdays that I think is going to be fun. We're going to do a, a book walkthrough, the book of Romans. Look out. That'll take us a couple months at least. So we'll come back to Romans after the new year. But Romans chapter 6. Let's see. Let me get there. And simply verse 1. It says, Paul writing, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? We ask the question. Now, it is by what you have been saved through faith. Grace, right? The grace of God is what? It's giving you everything that you need. Grace is giving you what you don't deserve, but it's also everything that you need. So it's by the grace of God that you find what you need to be forgiven. It's by his grace. Amen. Now, you can't earn it, right? So Nicodemus... The Pharisee trying to live up to something, he couldn't earn it, right? You can only be saved by the gift of God, born again, new creation, by something that he does. You can't earn it. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. This is a gift of God, not by works so no man can boast, right? So, but what happens is, Okay, so grace abounded, if you want to put it that way, in my life, in my salvation. Grace was bigger than my sin. It swallowed up my sin. It took away my sin. It set me free from sin. Now I have an opportunity to walk in the fullness of new life because I've been set free. You got to see it that way. Remember last week we were talking about the narrow road? So you got two roads, remember? Which means choice. Wide gate, wide road. Narrow gate, narrow road. This road leads to what? Destruction. This road leads to what? Life. There's a whole lot of people on this one and only a few find this one. Contrast. All in that little... little uh, a parable Jesus told. Freedom from sin allows you to avoid destruction because your sin was taking you to destruction. Not only in how you live now, but ultimate destruction later. We can't sugarcoat that, right? Freedom brings life. You are to live in the freedom of life, not return to the ways of destruction. So Paul is writing here, so a question must have come up. So if grace abounds when we sin, why can't we keep sinning? And Paul says, by no means. By no means do we return to sin. By no means do we return to what we've been set free from. So how can we who died to sin live in it again? This is part of discipleship. Part of discipleship is the realization that I have been set free from my sins. How many of y'all 
have a tendency to be a good sinner. Okay, I was too. When I was not saved, I absolutely lived like it. When I, when I see the world and, and they're in sin, I just expect that's the way they're going to act because they don't know Jesus and they haven't been set free from it. Why would they live any different? Right? So when I was lost, I lived like it because I wasn't set free from it. So if you're not set free from it, then you just live in it. It's just the normal way of living. But once grace abounds and newness comes, newness is then brand new start. That baby being born, brand new. That, that baby, when you're holding it, is innocent. Completely innocent. Is that right? You, you can't hold anything against that baby. That baby didn't do nothing to you, right? It is innocent. That, that's how you were made before God, justified. Given a brand new start. Grace abounded, right? That means I'm set free. Not just forgiven, but I have been set free. Chains broken. You know, we sing a song, chains be broken or something. Is that right? Is that lives be healed, whatever. Yeah, chains, I don't know, something, yeah, chains, whatever. Often I wonder if somebody's brand new in the church were singing that song. Do they have any idea what that's supposed to mean? Because that sounds really weird because nobody's walking in here with a bunch of chains dragging behind them, you know? Literally, if you understand that, shackles and chains of sin broken off your life. Think about it. You are entirely set free. But then what happens is in our freedom... We have a tendency to think in freedom, I can go back to old things because, well, grace abounded once. I guess grace would just keep abounding. But Paul says if, if you've been set free, how can you live back in sin again? Do you understand what freedom from sin really is? I think, I think it's so cliche to us. I think it becomes too common in our thinking. That sin was destroying your life. Sin is so destructive, it kills the body. The ways of sin is what? It literally results in physical death. This world, God's good creation, is decaying because of sin. You know that. That's how powerful in destruction it is. And, and ultimately, it is so powerful, it separates you from God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, but it separates you from the life that God has for you. It's destructive. That's a big deal. To the point there's something in Revelation called the second what? Death. And that is eternal separation from God. Sin is a big deal. But Jesus in grace, in something you cannot earn, in something we don't deserve, makes you be born again. Brand spanking new innocent, 
He takes your sin, he breaks it off of you, and casts it as far as the east is to the west. In other words, a never-ending cycle of being gone. Why would you go back into what is so destructive in your life? Now, we think, and this is what Paul's addressing here, we think, well, God's grace is so wonderful, it abounds so much, what's the big deal? But Paul says, let's go back to this. Verse 2, let's track back a little bit. By no means, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, a very lot of symbolism, a lot of things happening here. We were buried, therefore, by, with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the what? Newness of life. All of this is happening so you have the opportunity to walk in the newness of life. Right here and now. Now, question. Did the world change? No. Is the world still lost? Yes. Is the world still sinful? Yes. Is there a lot of temptations out there? Yep. Is there a lot of evil out there? Yep. But the newness of life starts when? The moment you were born again. You have the opportunity to live in the newness of life. Discipleship, one way to think about discipleship is living out that newness. And we live out that newness to the fullest extent we can in the midst of a lost world until new life entirely overtakes us in all things when Jesus makes all things new. So, so Revelation, let's, let's just see that. Uh, let's see, Revelation, uh, I'm going to go with 21. Let's see if I can find what I'm talking about. Revelation 21. And verse number 5. Revelation 21, no, okay, I'm sorry. Let's go back to verse 1. Revelation 21, 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Why? Because newness is going to eventually overtake all things. God, listen, God is saving everything. He's not just saving your soul to be disimparted from your body and float around in this space somewhere for eternity. He's giving you a new body. There's going to be a new heaven, new earth, joined back together again. And what life looks like then, we will find out, but it will be wonderful. But watch what it says. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. The wage of sin is what? Is taken care of. Death shall be no more because sin has been taken care of. Amen. Death shall be no more. 
Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things, the old things, the things that were destroyed by sin, they have passed away. Verse 5. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things what? New. Newness is going to overtake everything. But newness of life already started for you. If you want it. You don't have to wait. He's got to do it. He's going to finally fix the whole thing. He is coming to reclaim his creation. He took responsibility for it on the cross when it wasn't his responsibility to take, but he took it. Now he's going to come at some point. He's going to make it all new again, but we have the opportunity now to live out of the shackles of sin in the newness of life afforded to us with new birth, new creation. Discipleship is living it out. Being a disciple of him, discipline, learning, becoming. Why would we go back into what we've been baptized out of? Why would we go back into what we've been raised to life out of? There has already been a spiritual resurrection in you. Now we're waiting for the physical one. He's already started to make all things new, even in the midst of this messed up world. That is the subversive work of the kingdom of God. Sometimes it's hard to see. When the world gets crazy, it's all going spastic. Jesus is still making all things new. Therefore, we have hope. We have a reason to keep going. Amen. He's making all things new. But are you going to live in it? Are you going to walk this road of discipleship? The narrow road, or is the wide road and its destruction and lure of sin that you've been set free from, does it get too tempting to go back to it? Remember we were talking about uh, uh, dealing with struggle, we talked about sin? Don't ever forget to call temptation sin what it is. Call it out. Don't let it in your mind start to sugarcoat itself. Call it out. It is temptation. It's sin. Therefore, it is destructive. Even if it doesn't seem like it. Even if, it seems, even if you participate in it, well, what, what, I actually enjoyed it. What happened? No, it is destructive. Don't give in to its lie. We live in the newness of life. So here's some things about freedom. Here's the first thing. Freedom that we find in God is not to do what you want. Freedom is found in the Jesus way. You give up your rights to do what you want, and he gives you the rights to live in the kingdom in the Jesus way. It's what Paul was writing. Well, so, so grace abounds? Do I keep on sinning then? No. He took away your right to be in sin. He gave you new life. Now he gives you the rights to be a citizen of the Jesus way. Amen. So freedom is not freedom to do what you want. Freedom is not to try to hang on to what you want and argue into okayness, if that makes sense. Well, I really would like to do this, so let me argue it into okayness. If it's sin, it's sin. I don't care how much you can argue about it. 
Well, what about certain things? If you're convicted by it, don't do it. Don't argue it into okayness. Amen. There's a reason why you're convicted about it. By, by the way, can I make a, a, a difference here? Freedom that we find as American citizens is not the same thing as the freedom we find in Jesus. You guys understand that, right? I, I'm, I'm grateful for the freedoms of my citizenship. And these are often defining as, as we know that we are, we are ever seeking to make a better union, right? So this is an ever, ever working thing in our country. But the freedom of the United States of America, which is wonderful, did not forgive you of your sins. It did not set you free from your sins. Because, just put it this way. Although that's wonderful, and I'm glad, and I'm not putting it down. You can be in a country that if they catch you with the Bible, that they kill you, you understand that, and still live in the freedom of Jesus. So let's just make a separation here. Now, I'm thankful I'm here so we can do what we're doing tonight and not worry about being arrested or, or, or persecuted. Amen. But it's, it's important you don't mix the two. Again, it gets confusing and things start to go together that don't go together. Amen. Jesus died on my cross, on the cross for my sins. Not a person, a certain form of government, or a political party. Jesus rose from the dead, not a certain form of government, another person, or a political party. You see, they're not the same. Amen. But thank goodness we can practice what we practice here in freedom. But if they are taken away, I don't believe that's going to be happening anytime soon. But if it, they were taken away, it doesn't limit your freedom in Jesus. You see what I'm getting at? Now, let's look at 1 Corinthians 10, 23. I think sometimes we just have to take a moment and clarify some of that stuff to be sure that our love for nation and nationalism does not get too wound up that we start confusing things with the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. Now, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. The other translations say beneficial. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. No, no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor, and so forth. If it's not beneficial, even if you think you find freedom in it, yeah, question it. Don't do things that drag you back into the possibility of sin. What does that have to do with anything? What's the two great commands? Love God, love your neighbor. What's lawful and free for me may not be beneficial to somebody else because I love my neighbor. As who? Myself. Okay? So in other words, these things that we're being brought out of, we must be careful 
that we do not give up the freedom of our life found in Jesus to go back into things that lead to destruction. That's part of discipleship. Discipleship is living the fullness of life. Right here. Living the fullness of life in a messed up world is not always easy. Because remember, there's a whole lot of people doing it that way. Right? Are you always going to win doing it the Jesus way? No. It, you know what? It's kind of like this. There, there's one of the Beatitudes that, that says a lot. What everybody wants is success. They, they want to establish life in some manner and have some sort of success, whatever that means in their own mind. Financially, relationships, all this different stuff. Ultimately, uh, you have to kind of think this through, but ultimately everybody's looking for a stake in this world. And when it comes to bigger pictures, communities of people, we all want our real estate because we want our space to live and be successful. Which ultimately leads to these big picture things of wars, countries overtaking boundaries and borders changing, and we're fighting and killing one, right? You see what I'm getting at? So it starts with wanting success. It leads out to all these different things we see happening. And Jesus said something very shockingly. He said, blessed are the meek, for they will what? Inherit what? The earth. Those who are meek eventually get the real estate. <laughs> we will inherit the earth when it comes. Are you going to inherit the earth now? No. Not, not, not that way. When you live the Jesus way, it may seem adverse to getting certain things and having certain ways. You see what I'm saying? But the meek who learn to live the Jesus way, humble, right? Eventually there is this reward that ends up being what everybody's fought wars for forever. They thought they gained the real estate by killing everybody else and, and being the superpower and gaining control. And if you want to follow a line of history, just read the line in, in, in the history of war. Right? And all the time, Jesus is saying, hey, there's a much better way to do this. It's called my way. And living my way right now, this discipleship, this, this freedom of, listen, full life as much as you can live it right now, right in here, then we inherit the earth. Think about that. What more could you want than to have what sets you free from things that bring absolute destruction? What more could you want 
than ultimately living in eternity with an inherited new heaven, new earth. What more could you want? Well, well that sin, I, really? You, you're going to trade. You're going to trade your birthright for a bowl of soup that tasted good for the three minutes it took you to slop that thing down. Then you're left empty and hungry again 10 minutes later. Right? Are we going to hold on to that birthright and hang on to it and live it until the fullness of new life overtakes all things and we inherit it? Because the one who is is my father and I inherit what he gives. Amen. Don't trade the newness of life for that bowl of sinful soup and go back into destruction. Discipleship, living the fullness of life as much as we can in this life right now until the fullness of life overtakes us. Let's do this together. Let's help one another. Don't get mad if you find yourself taking steps off the narrow road or somebody goes, hey, Mike, what are you doing? Come over here and talk with me, Mike. I just have a question. Mike's going, relax, man, relax. Okay, good, I'm good, good. But, but I'm just making sure, Mike, we got to do this together. It's not easy all the time. I want to make sure Mike stays out of destruction in his life. Right? I want, because I love my neighbor as myself, and I want the fullness of life for me. I want it for him just as much, if not more, for him than me. Because it means so much. Amen? Let, let's do this together. All right. So here's why we're going to close out tonight. We did this last Wednesday. Just for a moment, and then you can be done as you're done. I want you to think of a couple people that don't know Jesus that maybe have walked away from the narrow road and, and destruction on the way to destruction, I want you to pray for them. Because we're rescuers, and we say that's one of our values, but how about we put it into practice? Now, now be prepared to be an answer to your own prayer. Right? Don't just pray about it. Be willing to do something too. Amen? But I want you to pray for a couple people. And pray that God somehow, someway breaks into their life. That they respond to the Holy Spirit somehow, someway. Okay? And when you're done, uh, you're just dismissed. Okay? And we'll see you Sunday morning.